Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now... Here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. These are the immortal words of the poet Emma Lazarus um, inscribed on the Statue of Liberty sitting there in New York Harbor welcoming all the foreigners to our land. You know, we often hear the mantra, America is a nation of immigrants. And, of course, when you study our history, you find that Certainly that's true. Most of our ancestors were pilgrims from Europe or former slaves uh, brought from Africa. Then you could think of all the folks from Asia or Europe or Mexico who settled the West, uh, built the railroads, uh, worked in factories, perhaps rustled cattle trains. And so the issue of immigration is uniquely uh, an American phenomenon. Um, there's few nations that have uh, embraced and invited people around the world like America. And at the same time, there are a few places in the world, I would say, that are desired uh, to come to uh, by the people of the world. So there's a reason why people still want to come to America, and that's because the elusive American dream of life and liberty, pursuit of happiness, is is still alive. Uh, you don't hear many people choosing to be immigrants to Iran or North Korea or the Sudan, obviously because of the oppressive governments in those nations and the lack of economic opportunity. But when you talk about immigration, there's also a host of other issues that go along with it. Who do you let in? Um, how are they going to become a citizen? Uh, how do we ensure liberty while at the same time protecting ourselves from harm? And furthermore, as Christians, uh, what does the Bible have to say or how does the Bible inform our conscience as we sift through these complex issues as Christian leaders? All this and more in our episode now of the Four Horsemen podcast. So I'm here today with my colleagues, uh, welcoming you to this episode of The Four Horsemen. I have my brother Dennis Thurman over here, uh, Adam Black to my right, and Benjamin Kerfman sitting at the helm, turning the knobs and making sure that our sound quality is top-notch. So blame so, him. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so you've no doubt heard and seen the furor lately that's caused by the immigration issues especially this year, 2019, the historic government shutdown that just seemed to last forever and ever. And then there's Trump's agenda to build the wall uh, along the southern border of Mexico. And on one side of the aisle, you have people shouting for the wall to be built. On the other side, you have those on the other extreme who say, we just need an open border policy. And of course, all this is exacerbated by the thousands of refugees you see uh, making their way up to the uh, border and trying to cross. Now, 
as you spend time in the church, um, you hear this discussion spilling over into the lives of your people. In fact, I've had people come to me about this issue. Um, you go on Facebook. In fact, I was on Facebook just the other day, uh, and I saw a post where uh, somebody said something to the effect of, uh, look, uh, you know, there's there's going to be walls in the New Jerusalem, and so therefore we need a wall in our nation. It's biblical. <laughs> Robert Jeffries said that. Uh, so. Figures. We are going to open up the discussion now, and um, I want to start with my colleague Dennis here. Um, Dennis, this is an issue where we see politics and the Bible collide. Now, obviously, the Bible uh, should always set the tone for our worldview. It should always inform our politics. We should put our faith before our politics. Um so how do you see this issue? Is this purely a matter uh, that should be handled by the government? Uh, how can the Bible help us think through this in terms of faith and our political leanings? Now, I think that people tend to want to compartmentalize life, and and you won't have these are the biblical issues, and then these are the political issues, and you know, and and they tend to divide the secular and the sacred. And, and I think that's not what God's called us to do. I think the Bible intersects with every dimension of life. And so it certainly touches on this issue. There are things that we need to, we need to learn. And the function of government, I think, is a primary concern. I think it's often overlooked in this discussion uh, that the Scripture is quite clear that God has ordained government. Mm-hmm. And God did that for the well-being an ordering of a civil society that without that uh, society breaks down because of the depravity of man and primarily government when it's functioning properly, whatever form that government may take has two basic responsibilities. The first one is to punish evil. And the second one is to praise the good. And Paul talks about that uh, in Romans 13 and there are other uh, scripture speaks to it, but you know, uh, it, understanding that's the responsibility of government to me that has a great bearing on the borders of a nation. That uh, to encourage the prosperity of a nation to help build in the positive things, you've got to have a citizenry that is going to be working toward that goal, and government needs to do whatever it can to help to foster that. On the other hand, you want to do all that you can to restrain evil. And so that means that you have to have some type of barriers. You have to have a process for admitting people. You have to have a military. You have to have border guards or, or even a wall, for that matter, if that's, uh, if that's what you feel like is, is needed. But something to keep out. Uh, but the same reason why you have uh, doors and locks on your house and maybe a fence around your yard. Uh, we lock up the building here, not that we don't want people to come in, but we don't want bad people to come in. Uh, and so I think Scripture does speak to all of that, and the fundal, fundamental understanding of the nature of government, to me, is foundational. All right, that's good stuff. Thank you, Brother Dennis. Um, Adam, I'm going to throw out a quote that I heard the other day, <clears throat> and you may hear something like this out there in the, in the blogosphere or the social media or whatever. Adam, I heard a very well-known pastor say the other day, nations and borders were God's idea 
how would you answer that? Agree, disagree? Where was that coming from biblically? Is it biblical? I think you could you could make a biblical argument for either 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 side. I mean, you think about it. Um, the reason there are there are governments, the reason there there's nations, the reason there are walls is saying, right? You know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's the reason all this exists is because of sin. Um, you think of greed, power, the fight for all this, the fight for uh, resources. Um, it all can be uh, centered around <clears throat> sin, ultimately. So you can take that stance. You could also look at, you know, the nation of Israel um, that God, you know, uh, was sovereign over, but even then you could point back to the reason that even had to happen was because of sin to make a lineage to Jesus. So, um, it's a, it's a difficult question. I think, again, you can make an argument on both sides. I know I'm not taking a position on that, but, but I, I think you can take a position that, um, that yes, God did create nations. God did, build walls but the reason that they had to happen is because of sin and so um it's kind of a it's kind of a difficult well i think stance. obviously when you especially look in the early chapters of genesis for instance genesis chapter 11 mm-hmm. where you have, tower the, ta- you have the tower of babel yep. and there you have an act of god's judgment where he comes down and confuses man's language and disperses them to the four winds of the earth um, obviously, that, that was God's idea. Yeah, obviously, that's God uh, interjecting there in in human affairs to keep man from greater evil because of sin. Because right? of sin, yes. And um, so, in dividing humanity up through the uh, language barrier, in a sense, He does create pockets of people, borders, if you will, uh, between uh, certain nations, and then from those nations dispersing across the world. Um, actually furthering God's overall plan of redemption. Um, and then, of course, uh, you can go to Acts 17. Remember, Paul is there in Athens preaching to the intellectuals on Mars Hill, and he says that uh, God has determined the, the boundaries, and he, mm, he's, he's put people where they are. In fact, um, um, Dennis, do you have that? Maybe I you do. can read it to us. Yes, sir. Acts seventeen twenty six, and he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. So that deals with the fact that, that we're all, there's an equality as far as our, our value as human beings. But then he goes on to say this, here's the balancing part, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So, and then the intention of that, of course, is that they might seek after the Lord. So, so I think that's the balancing truth that we have to make sure that it is not a, a racist, a, a, a sinfully uh, prejudiced mindset that says we don't want those kind of people to come in. But on the other hand, uh, we can't be utopians and globalists uh, that fail to realize that when there is that kind of centralized government and no borders and that kind of 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 a thing that in the end that works for evil, greater evil, uh, just like the Tower of Babel and why God intervened. And in the future, I think there'll be a reconstituted Babel in my particular eschatology. And uh, that's kind of what we're, we're moving toward. And it's not a good thing. Yeah. And then, you know, we could also go to other passages like Daniel 
uh, 2 and other passages there in the Old Testament where we see that uh, God is sovereign over the nations. Uh, God uses the nations and he uses people uh, as part of his overall plan. Uh, he even in the Old Testament used wicked nations like Babylon to come and be the instrument of just judgment on his own people. Uh, so uh, there in a very real sense, we see God's purpose uh, going through the, the nations and, and being used in, in his overall plan. Uh, but let's change gears here for a minute. And um, Dennis brought up Romans 13. And Ben, I know that uh, you've studied that passage there where Paul talks about our responsibility to obey the governing authorities. Um, in dealing with the immigration issue, obviously there's a, a right way to do it, a legal way to do it, and an illegal way to do it. How would that passage in Romans 13 uh, bear on a Christian's understanding of the current immigration um, problems that we face? Well, let's read it real quick. So Romans 13 in the elect standard version uh, says, <laughs> uh, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to, of good conduct, but to bad. What you uh, Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath uh, on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to uh, whom honor is owed. So um, all you taxation is, is theft people, be careful. Um, anyways, so with regards to immigration, you know, Dennis did a good job of pointing out, I, I think a lot of this conversation uh, comes from a bad understanding of government. Um, so God has... Uh, God is the ultimate authority, and this passage is teaching that, that all authority comes from God and that he creates authoritative structures in order for everything to exist. So, for instance, um, <coughs> the laws of physics are authoritative in the universe, so we must we must submit to them. You can go outside and declare, I'm going to fly, but that's not going to change the laws of physics. They have authority over you. You are not going to be able to to defy that. Um, so there's essentially several levels of government that God sets up for human beings. Um, the first level of government is the family where God, uh, puts the parents and, and, uh, specifically the husband and father in authority over the children. And so, uh, children, part of the responsibility of educating children is teaching them to be under authority. That's part of what parents are required to do. Um, the second level of government would be um, the church, that the church has authority uh, in in the life of the membership um, in order to instruct them and to teach them uh, what it is to be under that kind of leadership. The next level of government would be the civil government, um, which God has given authority, like Dennis was saying, to uh, restrain the wicked and to uh, uh, to uphold righteousness um, is, the, is the point of that. And then the final level of authority, of course, is the judgment of God, 
Um, John MacArthur makes a good point that um, because the family is now degraded um, and, and dissolved essentially in our culture, that that authority is not working Um, because churches do not uh, practice things like regenerate membership. Then the church authority means essentially nothing in the life of the average person. And now you're seeing a breakdown in the civil government with, with uh, rioting, protesting um, uh, people getting angry at law enforcement for doing their jobs, things like that, where the civil government is breaking down. The problem is, is the only thing you've got left then is the judgment of God, which does not break down. It breaks everything else down. Um, So what does that have to do with immigration? Well, essentially what that means is, is that um, the civil government's purpose is to work in the best interest of the nation. And it has to make decisions um, for its citizens, specifically for its citizens. And this is one thing that I have heard our current president say, despite any disagreements I may have with him. One thing is that I think that he says that it, that is accurate is America first. And I don't think it's selfish to say that. I think it's the role of the American government to look out for the interest of American citizens. That's why we appoint them as our leaders. And so, for instance, in the case of immigration, Sure. I, th- I think that uh, my family came to America from Germany. Um, I'm glad that they did that. I, I, I feel very thankful to live in America and, and to be in this place and have the economic opportunities and freedoms that we have. Um, and I think that anybody uh, should have a right to come and pursue that. But I also think that God is pleased when things are done decently and in order. And I think that the role of the civil, civil government is to facilitate that and to look out for the interest. It's not in my interest as an American citizen for people who want to harm my country or take advantage of me or my economy or other things, it's it's not uh, in my interest to do that. Now, as a Christian uh, and a member of the church government, my response to that is different. And the problem is, is people conflate all the different types of government. So they say, oh, well, if you're a Christian and you support something like a wall, then you, you must be a racist or you must hate these people that are wow. trying to come in from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. No. I'm, I'm, my opinion on the wall is not my opinion of them as a human being. It's not, a, it's not my Christian opinion of them. It's, it's my citizenship opinion of them. I'm a citizen of two nations. So uh, the citizenship of heaven also has instant entrance requirements, uh, which some people have pointed out. I think, again, they've probably conflated that a little too much uh, with America. America is not the New Jerusalem. Um, but with regards to the civil government, I, I, I think that – the idea of doing something like protecting its borders is the responsibility of a civil government because it's looking out for the interest of its citizens. And so in that, in that sense, I'm in favor of things like not having open borders because I don't think that that would be in the best interest of any country. The reality is we already have some of the most relaxed uh, borders of many countries. You know, uh, we've had American citizens be imprisoned for accidentally crossing borders in countries or shot on site for accidentally crossing borders in countries. And we're not necessarily doing that with people on a regular basis, to my knowledge. Um, so so that's a consideration to have. The, so as Christians, we need to be thinking, okay, an immigrant coming to my church and an immigrant coming into the country I'm a citizen of is not the same thing. That there, There's a distinction there. And uh, the elders of my church... And the congregation of my church makes decisions on who can enter the church. I make decisions on who can enter my family as a father and a husband. But the leaders that we appoint in our government make decisions on who enters the country. And ultimately, God makes decisions on who enters 
eternity with him. And so it's a matter of, of we elect them and we let them do their jobs and their jobs are to work in our best interest. And, and to me, Ben, just to follow up on that, the, the issue is not immigration at all. Legal immigration, as far as I'm concerned, anybody that's got a lick of sense is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're here. It is the illegal immigration that not only is a detriment to our society, but ultimately those who are fleeing those places out there to come to America and the opportunity, eventually the nation will be overwhelmed. Our educational system, our welfare system, all those kind of things, medical system, all those things to where we become the place that they fled. Right. And, and so by controlling mm-hmm. how many come in and the, the, the caliber of folks where they're going to assimilate is actually the long term for the good of the immigrant instead of to their detriment. Well, I mean, really, really one of the most beautiful things about uh, the United States as a country is this invitation of there is economic opportunity here and there's wonderful services and benefits uh, to being an American citizen. And so come and be a part of it. And at the same time, I I have friends who are immigrants. I have friends. um, One of my deacons is a U.S. citizen um, who's originally from Africa and they had to go through the immigration process. And I'll be the first one to say from friends that have been through that first experience, our immigration process is not exactly a piece of cake and could definitely be improved um, as far as making it more accessible to people. And so I'm not advocating that we just leave everything as it is necessarily. But what I am saying is, is that um, if somebody wants to come and, and receive uh, benefits, it makes sense that they're also making contributions. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't think that's an unfair thing to ask, you know, uh, it, it, that happens. A lot of churches are unhealthy for the same reason, right? People want the benefits without making contributions. Mm. Um, and so that's that you just, you can't run a good society that way. Um, it, it has to be a group effort. And so I think something like a, like a wall is basically just sending a clear message of um, you're, you're welcome to come here under the right circumstances with the right intentions, uh, which include uh, being a contributing member of society. And in that case, uh, that has nothing to do with race or socioeconomic status or even political views or any of that. It's just an agreement. It's a covenant that we're making with each other as citizens that we're all going to work together for the best interest of the country. Yeah, and uh, another issue that kind of piggybacks off that, um, people who advocate the open border policy, do they even practice that at their own home? I mean, no. obviously you don't open up your, your, your doors and, and windows and just say, everybody, come on in. So why would we do that on a large scale with our nation? We need to have some common sense here and uh, go through some processes. But, uh, Dennis, while I have you, um, the Bible is full of characters uh, who lived as immigrants or exiles or sojourners. Um, we could point to Joseph. We could point to Rahab. We could point to Ruth or um, Daniel, certainly, in Babylon. Even the children of Israel, as they uh, were exiles there in Egypt, slaves. To a certain extent, you could say Paul, um, because Paul uh, moved around a lot. Um, so what is the spiritual value of those experiences being recorded in the Bible? And, and then what, what also is the practical value um, in our lives? I think there's certainly eternal principles that apply, even though there's going to be some cultural dimensions of that, that, that there are going to be differences. For instance, you mentioned Moses. He was a sojourner. 
But Moses also slaughtered lambs and sprinkled their blood and applied to the doorpost. So <laughs> we want to uh, learn from the principles, but uh, not uh, we don't go around uh, pouring blood on our our door. Um, but but the truth is that uh, again we want people to come. We want to the sojourner to come. Uh, we want them to add that that value. I mean, you mentioned Rahab. Rahab performed a very strategic role in what she did. Absolutely. Uh, she was spared because of her faith. Ultimately, we know that. But that faith caused her to take practical application to hide those uh, spies, you know, and, and take care of them. So her, her household was spared, and they, but they welcomed her. They received her. And Same thing with Ruth the Moabitess, which we read of several times. And she was received and, and brought in. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, unless you are a racist or a xenophobe or something like that, we're not against that. We're not saying we just want a Caucasian nation because obviously all four of us are. But we're not we're not saying that. I'm German-American. Okay. All right. You're I haven't one, decided you're one of hyphenated yet. people. But, uh, but the reality is that uh, the the Bible's quite clear that we are to receive exiles. We are to receive refugees. We're to love them and care for them. The color of their skin or their background, those cultural differences don't make any difference in the kingdom of God. Those are people of value and worth. But that does not mean that you just let anybody and everybody in that wants to come. There has to be a system about that, and that was true of, of, of those folks uh, as well. I mean, um, so so I think yes, there are biblical principles there that we need to we need to follow. Adam, let me turn over to you. Um, one word that I heard mentioned earlier in our discussion was the word assimilation, and that's a big issue when it comes to immigration because you know you hear this a lot. If people are going to come to this country, by golly, they need to learn English and they need to. F- Salute the flag, and they need to shoot fireworks. Y'all need on to the speak American, yeah. <laughs> right. um, but at the same time, of course, you know, we as Americans um, and and as Christians, uh, we don't wrap our Bibles in the stars and stripes. Okay, um, speak for yourself. No. <laughs> um, we're Americans first, or excuse me, we're Christians first, Americans second. Right? Uh, I'm a citizen of heaven. For, first and foremost, and then, allegiance to Jesus. Yeah, and then and then a citizen of this this nation. So, um, talk to us a little bit about this tension, and then um, maybe you can address a little bit about uh, assimilating. Why is that important um, from an immigration standpoint? Yeah, this has actually been something that I've been wrestling with for the last year or two in my own mind, both from a biblical standpoint, from a political standpoint, because take, for example, we, we, we discussed Romans 13 earlier um, and submitting to government and obeying the government. We want people to come into our country, obey our laws, obey our government, except for when people go into Iran, Iraq, I got somebody right now, Vietnam as missionaries. That is illegal to do. North Korea. Um, I, I knew a missionary. We knew a missionary in Afghanistan. It's illegal. He's disobeying what we're advocating for in America. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the rub with me with this, because it's like, how do we, we fully support that we fund people to go, let's be honest and, and break laws. Um, but we, we chalk it up to the great commission. I would agree with that. But why do we do that here in America? And let me, let me go a little deeper with that. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that, um, that people are coming to us because we're not going to them. And, you know, I've known some illegal immigrants that if I view them as children of God that might be lost, that might, that, that to offer them the gospel. And I'm not saying anybody here would advocate us not, uh, sharing the gospel with these people if we have the opportunity because sovereignty, right? Um, do I agree? Do I think we should have open borders? Not necessarily. But I think that our mindset can get dangerous in a sense and in, in, in that, and I know, Ben, you didn't, I know what you meant with the America, the, the America first thing. But the reality is, is we are citizens of heaven. You know, um, what's more important when we get to heaven is their salvation and whether they know the Lord, not whether or not they went through the legal immigration reform. That's been, I, I actually was pushed back with that from a missionary and, um, He's not advocating. Do I have a perfect solution? I don't. Do I think people should go through uh, legal means? They should. I agree that things should be um, things should be eased a little bit to make it easier. People who are in our country legally, that process should should become easier. But like I said, the 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 rub with me has always been looking at it through the lens of the Great Commission, in which we will send people to countries and break that country's law, which if we looked at it in America, we believe it's a violation of Romans 13, but if it's in another country, it's okay. I'm going to push back at you on that because (laughs) again, our ultimate allegiance is to the, is to the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, and so you obey every law, right? Until it subverts the commandments we have from the Lord. And then it falls into, you know, what Peter and John said, we must obey God Mm -hmm. rather, Rather rather than man. So, so there is a time, it's like a, a you know a wife's submission to her husband. Uh, she's to do that unless what if he's asking her to do something illegal or immoral? She has every right, and she has not violated scripture to say to her husband, "Take a hike." You know, I'm not doing that. And, and in the same way, you know, I think when we talk about going to share the gospel in these countries, uh, we're being obedient to to the command that the our Lord has given to us. Uh, and and I don't see that. If if we've got missionaries coming in here, okay, because we're a pagan and we pretty, pretty mm-hmm. much are pagan, you know, we we can't complain about that. But that's not why people are coming. They're coming for economic opportunity. They're coming for the uh, benefits that are there. Sometimes they're coming to flee just absolutely hard conditions where they where they are. And while I understand all that, and have some sympathy. I don't think it's the same thing. That's how I see it. But if but if you were to look at it and say the government is Romans 13. Okay. Um, and that we should obey those laws. We should. Okay. So if I, I just think that if we're, we're going in clear violation of a law, then is that not sinful in a sense? No, because if you're, if you're forced to choose between obeying one law and disobeying the other, you have to choose the law that takes precedent. So, uh, if, if, for instance, uh, the 
Chinese the Hebrew, the, the, the three the, Hebrew children. Yeah, or the Chinese churches that are being jailed right now. Okay, right. what they're saying is, is if you're giving me a choice between telling people about Jesus and not telling about people about Jesus, if I have to choose between the Chinese government and Jesus, I have to do what Jesus says because he has greater authority uh, than the Chinese government does. F- for American immigrants, that that's that's not the same case. So if a brother comes to my church and I find out that he's an illegal immigrant and he's a member of my church, my counsel to him is going to, as a pastor is going to be, you're my brother in Christ and your citizen, your, your earthly citizenship has no bearing on that whatsoever, whether you're here or somewhere else. But, uh, the, the American government asking you, uh, to go through a process that all citizens have to go through is not unjust or oppressive to you. And so you need to either submit to that government process, according to Romans 13, or you, or you need to leave. Uh, and, and that's not a hateful thing, but it, it, it's a matter of the, the, what they are asking you to do is not unjust. Now, if they were saying, um, you know, if you don't you know, burn incense to Donald Trump, then you can't be a U.S. citizen, then I'd say, well, you know, then don't listen to the government. And that, that was the situation that Paul and others were in with the Romans is, uh, you know, we're going to kill you if you don't burn incense to Caesar. Well, you know, praise so, the Lord, I'm going to die. So, you know? so what if that illegal brother that you run into in the church is, is out of Iran and he knows to go back there as a death sentence? Then how do you respond to that? I would help him find another place to go. Or I would I would highly encourage him, like brother, go go through the immigration process. Like we will help you if you need somebody to sign something for you, or like like uh, I have a I have a friend who has done that. He's uh, he's in a closed country that I cannot disclose, um, doing mission work with his family, um, and uh, part of his family is uh, immigrants, and they're going through the immig- immigration process. And part of the question was. To me, can you write a letter verifying that you know this person personally and that you don't have any concerns about them? That was part of the immigration process, so I did that for them. So I'm helping them of saying, hey, if you're if you're wanting to pursue this this legal process, I understand the process may not be great, um, but I will help you do that. Um, and no, you don't want to encourage somebody to necessarily go back to an oppressive country. You know, if if one of these people got got out of prison from China and came over here and said, you know, if I go back there, they're going to kill me. I would say, listen, we're going to do everything that we can to help you. And if there are no options, and and the option is, you either have to go die or or you have to do something else. That, that's a different situation that gets more complicated ethically. Well, kind of like the Tin Boom family hiding Jews from the the Nazis. Right. To know. me, I mean, and, and I know. To me, I almost kind of view it in a sense of, and I get it's different, so I don't, I shouldn't even say this, but I, I, I kind of see the, um, the similarities in this, in the sense that if so, don't get me wrong, criminals, things like that coming in, drug dealers, that that's a different animal. I'm talking about the family who's just trying, um, who's just trying to to do better and. This was their their quick way in, and 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 they're trying to do better for their family, man. I, it's not. That's the rub in me that I'm like, man. I, I want to like it says the love the sojourner and, and and take care of them, and that's one of the things uh, throughout scripture you see the love of sojourners, care for them, give to them, and 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 so that's the the compassionate side of me. It's not as though you're gonna, quote unquote, hide them or whatever, but viewing it from a kingdom mindset, I don't foresee the borders being that important. But see, that's the thing. You're mixing the church and the state again. 
Like, we're all in agreement on the kingdom mindset. We're going to preach Jesus to whoever comes in, whether they're legal, illegal, what language they speak, where they come from. But what I'm saying is, is like the decision on like a border wall isn't up to the church. It has nothing to do with the church. It's a civil government decision. And so we as American citizens, not as Christians, elect American leaders, and those leaders then make decisions on behalf of the entire citizenry. Yeah, but you would push back if if they were doing something oppressive. Would, yeah, would, I would, but but so securing you, borders so is not oppressive. You, right, but then you would mix church and state. Would, would you would you want Westwood to be a sanctuary where these families you're talking about, not criminals or drug dealers, but but or terrorists, we're talking about families just trying to improve their lives to come in and sleep there in the pews and eat in your kitchens and clean up there and probably, use the facilities would you would you turn westwood into that because there's an opportunity for you to do that if you'd like well and and why you mentioned that dennis this is this is was actually my landing point this is <laughs> how i was gonna bring it all together are you gonna land safely or crash and burn <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know if we if, we, if i keep here's, talking we might burn a little the bit the ultimate thing where all this is coming together um let's talk about this in terms of an evangelistic opportunity i mean after all, couldn't this be a great blessing here? God is sending to us by the droves these hurting, desperate, impoverished people who need Jesus. And how can we as the church seize the opportunity? I mean, where these people are coming to us, they need Christ. How do we come alongside them to help them, uh, love them, and ultimately, uh, hopefully, win the opportunity to present Jesus to them? Well, I'll tell you one thing I will not do. I'm not going to get up in the pulpit and, and wave the flag and, you know. But you do have a flag. We do have one. And I don't mind waving it. But but in this, <laughs> in this context, I'm not going to be an in-your-face kind of America first. Uh, this is a Donald Trump uh, pep rally kind of person. Um, to me, it's kind of don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> And, and, and that's kind of how I feel in about this it. sense. If if somebody's there that 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 I would have a chance to talk to the Lord about, I'm going to talk to them, right? Because this other stuff yeah. doesn't matter. Later on, we might have to sort through some things, but in, in that immediacy, I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity. They're they're in the embassy. Yeah, yeah, they're and, in the embassy and, of heaven. And so and so, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that opportunity now. What what my great concern would be is that this America that I believe God had a hand in in establishing has been the great missionary center Absolutely. for world evangelization. So if people come in from all different cultures, and yes, we'll reach some, but if there's such an influx of other religions and other uh, ideals to where the very uh, nature of America changes, that missionary platform's undermined. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we may have reached a few that have come in, and we take advantage of the opportunity. In the long run, is it going to be to the good of the nations to do? Is it really the loving thing to do? So, so I think there's kind of a balance there. We need to we need to do. But but we have, uh, you know, Hispanic uh, congregation that meets in our facilities, and more than likely, there's f- a few of them that are here illegally. I don't know that, but I'm just guessing there might be. Um, but I don't ask that. We let them meet. We share. Uh, we we want to reach them, and so that's kind of what what we do. While we have the have the have the chance to do it, we're going to do it. You know, one thing I was thinking about the other day, guys, uh, concerning this issue was um, Acts chapter eight, where you have Philip 
and the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, there was the the Ethiopian out of his country, basically there um, as a sojourner in the land of Israel, and yet um, God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, taps Philip on the shoulder and says, "Hey, I want you to leave the revival that's going on there in Samaria and go to this road and, and meet the meet the." The Ethiopian there, and uh, he does, of course, and we know that he leads him to Christ, baptizes him there, and of course, um, the tradition is after that that the, the Ethiopian uh, goes back to his country with the gospel. So and, and that still happens. and so that's obviously an, an illustration there to us about you know uh, borders, nations. God is sovereign over those things. The ultimate thing that we uh, are about is reaching souls for Christ, and. Um, despite where they're from, what their background is. Um, and I think that's a, that's a clear indication there that, um, the gospel is, is primary in, in all of these discussions. And, um, Dennis, you brought up a great point. You know, if they're, if they're in there in our church, Hey, just take it as an opportunity. Like Philip did. He didn't know where he, uh, what he was going to do necessarily, but he was being obedient to the Lord and God blessed it. And, um, so, I don't know if that discussion helped you guys out uh, there listening to you guys and gals, the audience, um, but I think this has been um, good for us uh, to put our heads together and talk through these issues. Uh, so take what you will from this. Uh, like uh, my grandpa used to say, take the meat, spit out the bones, and uh, use it. Uh, use it as salt in your conversation um, as you are trying to be the light and the salt in this decaying and dark world. Thank you for listening. We look forward to having you again here in a week on the Four Horsemen podcast. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.